Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season five episode of Supergirl titled Confidence Women. And since we don't have any news this week, let's just get right into it. So here is the official description. Quote, while a new villain is under arrest at the DEO, Supergirl uses him to try and understand who is responsible for the recent attacks. Meanwhile, Andrea and Lena think back on their tumultuous past, unquote. And this description is a little misleading because it makes it seem like Supergirl has a large part in this episode. <laughs> Which is not the case, unfortunately, in my opinion. Uh, she does do those things, but it is a, a small <laughs> amount in the episode. Uh, so I didn't really, Morgan, when I was planning out this doc, I, I didn't really have a lot of discussion points because it was basically all about Lena Luthor and Andrea Rojas and uh, the origin story of Akrata. So I guess that for a large part of this episode of Supergirl Radio, I think that's what we should talk about because that's mostly what happened in the episode. Uh, so Morgan, what did you think about getting to find out uh, where Andrea got these magical medallion powers from? <laughs> um, first off, uh, this is definitely the first episode where we found out she had magical medallion powers, <laughs> right? Because I, I felt like it did feel like a reveal, but it also kind of felt like Sometimes I was like, did I? I didn't know this, right? <laughs> now, we had only seen a shadowy figure kill that spider lady. And that's all we had seen. Okay, so that that makes sense. Yeah, I so I think that, that this was a, a pretty interesting episode. I feel like every now and then in the Supergirl season, we get an episode that's like, very Supergirl light, and it's kind of like the side characters like going and doing their own thing. And I always enjoy those episodes, although I I always kind of want it to be like this one was great because obviously, but the more Lena Luther, the better. But like I always want it to be like a side side character, like <laughs> a day in the life of Brian the alien, or like <laughs> we. Oh, it's it always tends to be like the new the new what like character in town, or like the villain, or like this is their villainous motivation. And I'm like okay, but like what's Pam from HR up to? <laughs> is what I want to know. We like, have been does. pitching this for seasons. <laughs> Listen, I feel like this was this is uh, uh, the closest we've gotten from what was Pam from HR doing. <laughs> 
uh yeah no i i really uh, you know what i really liked this one i i all all lena luther is good lena luther uh although i don't know how i felt about her crimped hair <laughs> it wasn't my it wasn't my favorite it didn't feel like a very lena look i guess that was like you know before things had really gone sour for her she was trying out new looks she was like <laughs> what if it was a little a little crimpy and then like you know her, her brother tries to kill like superman and kills a whole bunch of people and she's like straight it is then (laughs) she's like i'm just gonna have fun with my hair oh okay so (laughs) uh every everyone in my family is in jail Uh, maybe i'm putting the crimper away (laughs) it did seem to change that did seem to be the uh the climactic event that changed the hairstyle Uh as as she got sadder her hair just gave up, <laughs> gave up the crimp. It could, it couldn't do it anymore. I was like, no, I can't. I'm really sad. <laughs> Straightened out. <laughs> well, I happen to like the crimp, uh, so I'm sad that she didn't keep it. The one thing that I was confused about, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more about Akrata uh, and Andrea and, and and the actual journey to find the medallion and all of that. But since we're here talking about Lena, the thing that I was confused about was the entire episode seemed to hinge on the fact that Lena really loved her mother. And Lena really just had this close bond with her mother. And I just kept thinking the whole time, didn't Lena uh, willingly stare down her mother while she was drowning and refuse to help her? (laughs) Well, well, (laughs) when she was four years old. I was about to say, good point. Um, (laughs) Well, so I think that's like adult Lena's interpretation of what happened, like based Mm. on guilt. But like a a four-year-old isn't like uh, that that dude from Baywatch who just dives in and like, like, come on, mom, I'm going to get you with their tiny four-year-old arms. Like, I don't (laughs) like I feel like watching your mom like drown would be pretty traumatic for a four-year-old. She was probably in shock. I also don't know what she thought four-year-old her was going to do about the situation besides just stand there and be like wait what's going on (laughs) so I think I feel like the idea of like she just watched her mom die is like an adult Lena interpretation of what happened I don't I don't blame a four-year-old for like not not diving in there and like dragging a full grown woman to shore. <laughs> well, that I understand. I just was confused about what the show was trying to get across with Lena and her her relationship with her mother because previously it was my assumption that Lena watched her mother die and it was kind of the first sense that she was a Luther that there was something in her that was Luther. She even says. Lena says in uh, Remember the Fallen Angels, she says, what kind of child doesn't run to her mother or uh, doesn't scream for help? I knew I knew something was wrong, but I did nothing. I just watched her die. Like, that seems really ominous. And so <laughs> when I watched this week's episode of Supergirl, I was like, where is this? Where is this uh, this really close bond between Lena and her mother coming from? I, I don't know. I just... From the previous information we had gotten about her mother, it didn't gel with me in terms of this story of, oh, she told me this story from the storybook, and I really wanted to do it for my mother, and just, like, everything was revolving around her mother. 
uh, to the point that we actually get to see young Lena with her mother, who happened to look a lot like Kenny McGrath, um, <laughs> at the end of the episode. So I don't know. I, that was the only thing in this episode that I was really like, know if i can buy that part of it yeah see that that's funny that didn't bother me at all although i i I take your point that like they really didn't do any lead up to her relationship with her mother like we only have ever heard about her birth mother i think that one time uh and then besides that it's all been lillian uh our 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 favorite luther maybe <laughs> did, did you notice that young lena at the boarding school wore uh pearls uh i thought that was very lillian luther of her to do so lillian's like all all of the girls there are going to be wearing <laughs> wearing a full set of pearls it's the it's the chill high school thing to do darling <laughs> like i think lillian did that on purpose she set lena up for failure she's like this is what the cool kids will wear what a 40 year old woman would be into <laughs> well we had heard about lena's mother in luther's from season two i believe and uh then we heard about her again in rather the fallen angel or at least that's all i could find in my google docs uh so uh there could be more information but that's when i did a quick google doc search of my notes those are the two episodes that came up so we had only really heard about lena's connection to lionel and uh then her watching her mother die so i i I just had a hard time buying the sentimentality of what Lena was going through. Because I was like, it kind of felt like you enjoyed watching your mother die. <laughs> like, that's what, <laughs> that's what I got from the, the previous mention of her in this show. So I was very uh, kind of, mm, I, don't, I don't know, I was skeptical about her her bond with her mother. I feel like they just, they, they should have seen it more... If her mom was going to be part of this huge motivation for, like, the season, like, they maybe should have mentioned her, like, in passing. The only, Literally the only time we've ever heard Lena talk about her mom was, like, in this traumatic event where she watched her mom die. No, it wasn't like, and then my mom used to say this and that to me. So the idea that, like, she kept on hitting it so hard, like, my mother said this and my mother did that and my mother did this, it was kind of like like the show was like retroactively wanted to go back and make Lena's like biological mother important. And they were like, well, how do we do that? She's almost never mentioned her. And they're like, you know what is great for that? It's time for a flashback. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did Lena never mention her mother? Because it turns out she's been mentioning her for 15 years. (laughs) Okay. uh, All right. Fine. (laughs) Hard to argue with that show. Touche. I did enjoy the the Lena aspects of this episode. Um, I I even um, do. Do you want to hear a little story time? Uh, beca- of course. Because um, I I made notes of the excerpts from the Adventure of Akrata. I guess this could maybe be our way into talking about Andrea because I'm very I'm always interested in what they put on the screen. Uh, that some people might pass by, but I kind of looked at it uh, just to see if there was any any context that would help flesh out some of the story just in, in what was in this uh, in this storybook that Lena had. So it, at one point, she's flipping through the book, and she gets to 
uh, a grim fairy tale called Hans and Luck. But then she gets to another story that says uh, the adventure of a Crotta. So uh, this is kind of what I uh, got from those pages. So, uh, quote, in a time where kings held no court and nobility were a measure of oneself rather than their birth, there was a village that lived in total darkness. You see, this village had been plunged into the shadows of a treacherous volcano. Try as the sun might, she could never quite reach the people in the village. One girl defied the darkness. There had to be more than shadow, more than night. She pleaded with the other villages to leave with her, but they were content with the eternal night. The shadow forced them to disengage from the outside world. The girl decided if she could not lead them to the world, she would lead the world to them. Some of the story doesn't make a lot of sense, but I'm just going to keep going. Uh, Mm -hmm. It says she would cast the shadow out herself. So she sat out in she set out into the world through whipping vines and thorny verdant. She sought a magic that would save her people not only from the something volcano, but from the side effects that came with being prisoner to it. An ancient magic that didn't appear to the most beautiful, not nor the most worthy, but the most pure of heart and the most pure of intention. Henceforth, this meta- this meta- medallion uh, shall be known as the medallion of Akrata. Use it well. And then there were also two other things that said, Akrata returned home victorious and ready to open her vill- her village up to the world. She placed her palm upon the symbol and was bestowed a great gift. And alone, the girl had strength to bend shadow to her will, which is something they talk about in the episode. And then the final excerpt uh, says, She lifted the shadow from the village, revealing an uh, opalescent sky. Uh, I actually don't know what that word means. I'd have to look that up. Um, The people of the village stood in awe at the sight. They looked upon their children's faces when they, uh, something, couldn't quite make it out, never been able to see clearly before and vowed to seek out life, never again allowing themselves to hide in the shadows, unquote. So my question after having read that was, so we can assume that the girl in the story is supposed to be Andrea because she's the one who ends up with the medallion. But my question was, does Lena see herself as the girl in this story? Probably, right? I mean, I that's the story that she had been read. So I bet she was like... Purest heart sounds like me, right? Hope? <laughs> <laughs> Hope is like, yes, Miss Luther, you are very pure of heart. <laughs> um, in in Lena's mind, I can see her her justifying some of her actions, but it talks about how she's defied the darkness and, uh, you know, kind of overcoming those shadows and, um, trying to help the people and the uh. The nobility was a measure of oneself rather than their birth. So it's it's that thing where Lena has the Luther name, but she um, she's trying to get away from it. So I just I just when I read through the story, I could see Lena in it, and because Lena was the one who was so attached to the story, I just wondered if she had internalize that uh to to want to be you know to fantasize about being the girl in the story Uh, and that's why i wonder if some of that jealousy of andrea having taken the medallion was so uh potent for her uh because she she saw andrea as you know the girl in the story that which was her role like that was what she was supposed to be so i i just i just 
thought that was interesting that you could read that story and see both characters in it. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And and I think a lot of it does really relate to Lena and her journey. So it does make sense that she would be like, yeah, this is about me. <laughs> As uh, most things should be, I guess. Um, so uh, since since we sort of brought up Andrea, so what did, what did you think about Andrea's story in this? We got to meet her father. We got to see her... Uh, meet and then fall in love with Russell. We got to see her her introduction to Lena. We got to see their their friendship over time. Uh, and when I say over time, I mean over time. We saw them at boarding school, then we saw them at Metropolis five years ago, Metropolis four years ago, Metropolis two months later, National City <laughs> three years ago. Uh, and then we saw them uh, uh, during Andrea and Russell's six-month anniversary, then one month after Cat Grant joined uh, Marsden's administration, then 12 weeks ago, then 10 weeks ago, then eight weeks ago, and then today. So we did uh, travel through time in this episode quite a bit, <laughs> uh, which I don't know if I liked. It's a little bit, it's a lot of time jumping. Uh, so what did you think about getting to see Andrea's story play out from her boarding school days and up until now? I thought it was interesting. I feel like we we didn't really know much about her besides... Um, that she doesn't seem to be a very good boss of a news organization. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, she is new at it. She, she's very new at it. Uh, Lena was like, hey, you want this uh, worldwide media conglomerate? And she was like, yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? She is running it like a person who said, eh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so I buy it now. I buy it now. Uh, <laughs> but, um... No, I thought it was I thought it was interesting to see her sort of the progression of her character. And I think I mean, she's weirdly kind of sympathetic. She kind of comes out of this sympathetic. She's like she started the season feeling very villainous. And now she kind of just feels like a person who had their back against the wall and and just kept making bad choices after bad choices because of the last bad choice that that she made not like she's like you know cackling and you know science murdering anybody or <laughs> i mean you could make the argument that like lena is kind of worse than she is because lena is like making these choices to do these things even though the things that she's doing is is uh, air quotes, fixing air quotes, people uh, <laughs> <laughs> like Le Lena has a noble goal that is very obviously going to go badly. Uh, <laughs> anyone could tell her that. But uh, but Andrea kind of just kept trying to save people who were important to her and then like just going further and further down a, a path where it was like, well, now I guess I killed a bunch of people. So. <laughs> keep killing <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the 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 idea of her grabbing that medallion in that moment to save her father and it was all sort of downhill for her from there yeah and i don't even know if she totally i mean she had a choice but it wasn't a great choice it was either you take this medallion and everything is fine your father's gonna live or you don't take this medallion and we kill him and things are going to be bad for you. Uh, so she she could have rejected it, I guess. But then her father would have died. My question is, is Leviathan connected to that medallion? Because, like, 
how did those people even get down in that cave? I know that <laughs> Leviathan is everywhere, but literally, how did they get into? Was she like, I'm sorry, um, that's my Uber. I must go. And then, like, just like spider crawls out of the hole or something. Like, what? How did she get in? How did how did they get out? These people, like the Leviathan people. That is a great question because was he just sitting there? In that cave, like, you know, at the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, when you find out that there's been a knight sitting there the this whole time, like, waiting for somebody to come in and try to drink um, from uh, the Holy Grail. That's what I kind of envision is that this man, this messenger, this Leviathan mes- messenger is just sitting in this cave waiting for Andrea to fall down into that hole. Um yeah, I, I don't know. I It did seem like they would just appear magically. Like when the messenger appears in the cave and then when the old lady uh, who doesn't... I I, feel, I want her to have a name, so I just don't call her old lady all the time. I don't really have another great name for her. The, uh, the woman of age, I guess. Uh, the woman of a certain age. Uh, that's even worse. I'm just going to call her the old lady. Um, she seemed to appear out of nowhere in Andrea and Russell's apartment. So it does seem like they have some sort of magical capability, but I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. And it was interesting that they pointed out that the medallion is not what gave uh, Akrata or Andrea her powers, that her powers were were already within her, within inside of her because <laughs> of her darkness. Um, so... The medallion didn't seem to do anything. It just seemed like that was a way to coerce Andrea into doing things. Um, so I, I don't know. It's a, it's a good question about Leviathan because they did seem to be everywhere. Yeah, they just, they just kept popping up. So my, my other issue was that when she's with Russell and he's kind of starting to think that there's something going on with her family. Uh, and he like goes up and he looks at her, her medallion and he goes like, Hmm, that's a weird looking necklace. And then the next thing you know is like Leviathan is beating the crap out of him. And I was like, doesn't that seem like an overreaction? He was probably just like, that necklace is kind of ugly. I don't really know why she wears it. (laughs) And then like the next thing you know, it's like, you are a robot person now. It's like, what? (laughs) Leviathan. (laughs) That's not a reasonable reaction to that. (laughs) He didn't know anything. It was like, it was so, so over the top. It felt like to me, like you're trying to be a secretive, uh, like organization. That's probably like, probably just disappearing people is not the way to do it especially if they don't know anything at all well i guess in their justification they couldn't even risk the idea that he might have seen it and then go do some research on it i don't know i would agree it was a little bit of an overreaction because to your point he did not know anything he just saw the pattern on the medallion so that's all that he knew of it but he did seem curious and so i guess for Leviathan, that's that's too much. That's too much curiosity into to whatever shady dealings they have. He was getting a little too close for their comfort. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so close that they decided they were going to try to kill him. And then they turned him into a robot guy who looks like Dr. Octopus. Uh, <laughs> yes, seriously. So, so uh, yeah, they did... Um, 
take that very seriously. And they they told Andrea that they they would that there would be consequences for uh, that getting out. Um, so I I I'm glad we know how Russell became Rip Roar, and I'm glad we get more information about how Russell and Andrea, you know, what their relationship was, because I did feel really bad for them. I did, I did really feel for the loss in that relationship, because by the end of it, it does seem like Russell dies now. Like, she goes through all this trouble uh, to get him out of the DEO, and then he's shot. Uh, so I, I do hate that for her, because it did seem like she was trying to save him, and uh, try to get him out of the thing that basically she put him, she sort of put him in this situation trying to save his life. So all she's ever done for him is try to save his life. So I did feel really terrible for her. And I want to go back to your earlier point about how Andrea started off this season as a villain. She seemed to have villain tendencies in terms of how she was treating Kara and how everybody in the cast was relating to her and how she had been a foil with Lena. But I do agree that she has become more of a sympathetic character now. And I don't know if this is going to be like a Rain, uh, Samantha situation where you're going to like Sam, but you're going to hate Rain. I don't, I, I don't know. It seems at this point, I don't think I would would buy it if they tried to keep Andrea as a villain, as the big bad. I think I care more about her now, and I know her motivations as being a character who wants to do good things, that I wouldn't buy her as a villain. So now I don't fully understand what her purpose is on the show. Uh, Although, I do think that they used her to great effect in this episode because she was written as a parallel to, uh, or a contrast maybe in some regards, to Kara. Because she was Lena's best friend who ended up lying to her, who, uh, in in Lena's perspective, betrayed her. Uh, so I, I thought that that was a, a good way to continue the Kara-Lena dynamic, even though they weren't really technically using Kara and Lena, but you could still sort of uh, connect the dots between the two relationships. Although I did think it was interesting that Lena forgave Andrea so quickly. uh, And I I think Andrea did something worse than Kara did. Yeah, I agree. Although I think that seeing what happened with Andrea and Lena does kind of maybe make it a little bit more understandable how with how Lena's reacted to the car thing because it's like not her first rodeo and so <laughs> she's kind of it kind of feels like she's like again like uh, poor Lena opens her heart to a, like a new person she's like good I'm gonna make a new friend and this friend this time is not gonna steal my ugly necklace don't worry <laughs> and I, <laughs> and then she gets betrayed again so I feel like the sort of the magnitude of her reaction does make a little bit more sense when you look at it as like every person that she chooses to trust ends up betraying her. And so I feel like the car thing was maybe just like the last straw where she was like, okay, I'm just going to fix people. That's what I'll do. I'll fix people. <laughs> like Lena, no, yeah. no, it's not, it's not how you do it. It's called Lena. Therapy is great. <laughs> 
maybe maybe you want to invest in some of that instead. She's like, no, I'm just going to make myself a robot friend. <laughs> that will solve everything. <laughs> Problem solved. Well, and since we're talking about Lena and Andrea's friendship, what did you think about uh, some of those flashbacks, especially with the young versions of the characters? Because I was, I was pretty impressed with these uh, young ladies who came in to play the uh, boarding school version from 15 years ago for Lena and Andrea. So what did, what did you think about the casting of those two actresses? I thought they were good. I thought that they, um, they really had their sort of mannerisms down, especially the girl who played Andrea. I feel like she really had the way that like, Julie Gonzalez like says words like or like says her sentences. I feel like she really did like a very good job at at making me believe if I'm like not looking at the screen that that's like a younger version of the character. Obviously, I mean they they looked they looked somewhat like them, but like it wasn't it wasn't the casting for when they went back in time with little Alex and little Cara. <laughs> that was that was uh, you could have told me like listen, they invented a time machine specifically <laughs> for this episode and I would have been like really on CW money, but I guess I buy it. <laughs> 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 I I thought the uh, the young lady who did um, Andrea, who played the young Andrea, she was pitch perfect, like yeah. on the money. I agree. She sounded like her. She looked enough like her that you could kind of get it. But it was the the way she spoke that really she just nailed it. Yeah, it was like the cadence. It was like the exact same way that uh, that Julie Gonzalez talks when she's Andrea. Yeah, and I, I thought the, the young lady who did, uh, who performed uh, as young Lena, I, I thought she did a good job, and I liked the way she interplayed uh, with the young Andrea, but I think there's something about the way Katie McGrath speaks with her accent that wasn't totally totally there they, they should have cast somebody who is trying to do an american accent but not trying that hard <laughs> <laughs> yes that would be perfect um but but i i bought that lena enough that i could go along with the two uh the the two boarding school versions of these characters to go with their uh, with their friendship and see their friendship grow. And I, I really liked the dynamic of the the you jump, I jump uh, scenario that they connected back to Titanic, which I thought was interesting because I was 17 when that film was released in theaters. That's, that's obviously aging me. Uh, don't do the math. I, I don't recommend it. Uh, but... So I'm wondering how old they were. Yeah, that's that's a good question. So uh, uh, my my other concern w about that you jump, I jump is they kept on being like, as Kate said, you jump, I jump, or like as Rose said, I'm pretty sure Jack was the one who said that in that movie, oh. which is a, a thing that I pointed out to to my fiance. I was like, I'm pretty sure Jack said that. And he was like, what? And I was like, how dare you not have been a teen girl in love with Leonardo DiCaprio? <laughs> <laughs> I saw that movie in theaters so many times. <laughs> okay, I just want to fact check you. Not that I'm doubting your, your love of Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm not sure i could be wrong like i uh, middle school morgan loved that movie so much but i don't <laughs> i don't know that she memorized I'm, it i'm looking it up just to fact check it because I, I, I want us to get this right let's see 
watching a clip. Wow, Leonardo DiCaprio is very young. Oh, okay. No, I was wrong. Uh, because Urban Dictionary has told me that. Um, when Rose is getting ready to go into the water as the Titanic is sinking, spoiler alert, uh, she famously... <laughs> <laughs> it sinks! What? What? She famously exclaims to uh, Jack, uh, you jump, I jump, Jack. All right. I guess I'm wrong. I thought I thought that was at the beginning of the movie when she's like on the edge of the boat and he like he tells her you jump I jump. Although maybe it's a callback and maybe both of them said it and maybe I'm I'm half right. Maybe both are right. I haven't watched Titanic in a long time, so that could it could be both could be correct. We'll we'll have to revisit Titanic. And uh, maybe we maybe we could do a Titanic audio commentary for <laughs> Supergirl Radio. Could we justify Titanic audio commentary? <laughs> oh my God, that'd be so funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did I did like their um, their sort of Rose Dawson attitude about life uh, because Rose Dawson did uh, she lived a long time after the Titanic sank and she did go about her life and she lived her life and did all these things so i i can see why that would be something that they would look at and say hey that's a good thing to aspire to uh so i i enjoyed that that was something that they had between the two of them that they could uh could encourage each other to do something bold and do something daring uh by saying you jump i jump so uh, that uh, that I thought was uh, well written and well performed by both the younger versions of the character as well as Katie and uh, Julie because I really their brunch scene uh, where they're talking to each other about their families and their business dealings uh, I really bought that those two characters those adult uh, incarnations of those characters were really playing off what the teenagers were doing in the boarding school. So I thought that they they balanced that well so that it was a good uh, connecting point for the relationship of the, the two characters between the different ages. I, I thought all of that was handled really well. Yeah, I like that a lot. And, and, and it did feel like it did feel pretty true to like what a teen girl would say and like what would be their like phrase and what they would be into. I felt like it wasn't like that much of, it didn't like make me like roll my eyes, which sometimes you're watching these teen shows and you're like, it's been a while since this writer was a teen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's been a while since I was a teen. So maybe I'm just really out of the loop too, but I mean, it did feel like something that they would have been really into at that point. Yeah, so I, I'm glad to glad to know that they have really good taste in film. Titanic is uh, one of the all time greats, so at, at least they they have some good taste there. Um, so and s- since since we're talking about all these flashbacks and and learning about the different dynamics between the characters, we got to see some characters that uh, we hadn't seen in a while who had come back. So. Uh, I wanted to bring some of these up. So we got uh, uh, some more information about Lex's relationship with Lena. And I wanted to ask you this question because this this really plays into a, a, a big question here on Supergirl Radio. And, and we like to refer to it as uh, uh, That's So Amade. 
uh, our, <laughs> our fictional TV series that uh, explains <laughs> the uh, the continuity errors <laughs> in the show, or, or are they errors? Uh, you can uh, email us at supergirlradio@gmail.com. So Lex tells Lena that they five years ago in Metropolis. Five years ago, just keep that in the back of your head. In Metropolis, five years ago. Lex tells Lena that they just made first contact with an alien race. (laughs) (laughs) No, I missed that line or I I heard it and my brain rejected it. (laughs) Oh, my. Well, then what about well, then what about Amade? He was in like Vanity Fair or something. <laughs> with like with like the headline, I'm a dashing alien. And like like in a tux at like the Met Gala. I don't understand anything. How does this show work? Rebecca, what is time? I don't know. What? what? We are living in a post-Amade world. You can't just go back like that. <laughs> You can't act like Amade didn't exist. That was just oh. last season. Well, I'm going to start my own spinoff called What About Amade? It's going to be like, what about Bob? Where Amade <laughs> just shows up like random places going like, well, I've been here this whole time. <laughs> oh, I don't understand. I don't get it. <laughs> so now we've gone back to the idea that Superman is the first alien contact. Which was initially what the show seemed to set up, and, and I kind of, I kind of was like hand waving that continuity because that was season one continuity. But I mean, I do feel like this episode was going was like, hey, remember season one? We do too sometimes because <laughs> it was it was Maxwell Lord's company yeah. that that uh that that almost bankrupted Andrea's company until uh that scamp Maxwell Lord's phones just started blowing up, which feels like a very Maxwell Lord thing to do. Like, it oh does. man. It does. <laughs> almost pull off an evil scheme and then at the last minute <laughs> it all literally blew up in my face. Uh yeah, so there were some season one callbacks, but uh, that one really frustrated me. The the idea that the the first contact with Superman was the first of an alien race because it was like no that's not that's not what you set up like yeah. last season <laughs> <laughs> well that was I think that was why to me last season made so little sense because at that point we were living in a post Amadei <laughs> world but we, so presumably if like humanity had had twenty or so years to you know with aliens around and it was just kind of a fact of life that the fact that there was just like all this anti-alien sentiment bubbling up it seemed more like something that would happen if aliens were kind of more of a new thing right because they were like you know oh our you know the 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 yearly invasion is really messing with our house prices it's like well yeah but i mean has that been going on for the last 50 years i don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. And another thing in this uh, series of scenes with Lex that didn't make a lot of sense is that at one point, Lex and Lena are sitting on the floor. Did you notice that in one of the scenes? Like, they, no. They're sitting on the floor and then they get up. 
I was like, why are they sitting on the floor? Can they not afford chairs at Luther Corp? <laughs> Listen, it was it was hard times for Luther Corp. I thought it was so strange. They the chair sitting, budget was the first to go. They were sitting on the floor and then they stood up and I was like, what? Why didn't they just be why didn't they just have him standing up in the scene to begin with? It That's was so strange. It was so weird. <laughs> Speaking of Lex, can you explain how Lena, so I, I probably should have just rewound it, but I was like, I don't really understand this storyline. How was Lena finding the medallion supposed to save Lex from doing bad things? Because he was going to use it. He thought it was an ancient alien uh, element that was going to help him uh defeat superman i guess he was going to use it to somehow uh create kryptonite and release it into the air which is something i think he did in season four yeah so i i got so i i felt like that was what i understood of the plan but then later on um lena is like you know by to andrea like by you taking that like that medallion like my brother was able to do this this and that and like killed a lot of people and andrea was like yeah i, I did do that that wasn't cool of me and i went like what but how like lex didn't get his hands on the medallion because andrea had it so presumably it should have been the exact same like the exact same outcome that lena would have wanted i thought D did i miss it i must have missed an element in this story that i it, right? it was kind <laughs> of it was kind of vague in a lot of respects it, they they just they because lena didn't even talk about the ancient alien element as the medallion when she was talking to andrea so i don't know it's a good question. Uh, I think it's going to have to go up there with the uh, the Amade scenario <laughs> as file this under things that don't make sense in this episode. <laughs> um, but I did like the uh, resurgence or the return of Jack Spear. I enjoyed seeing him oh, yeah. again. I really liked. Cool. I really liked his first appearance and the the relationship that was developed in the episode Ace Reporter. Uh, I believe was the episode that he first appeared in. And so I was glad to see him come back and uh, to see more of how his dynamic with Lena had gone on a little bit more about their relationship. Uh, they go to a fancy party, which was, was awesome. And uh, it, we got to see their breakup, which was also very sad to see that they broke up right before uh, Lena goes to National City. So it, it was sad to see uh, the breakup part of it, but I, I was glad to see his return. Yeah, it was it was really cool. I liked that they brought back things like that from the previous seasons during those flashbacks to make them feel a little bit more like they had some connection to the, the previous seasons of the show and not like the the writers are just trying to furiously backfill some stuff uh and I, and I really I liked the scenes between the two of them and like the way that they showed that sort of the breakup happening and 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 also the way that they showed Lena kind of shutting down and deciding to like move on from where she was because everything had kind of gone wrong for her at that point the writing has been really in, intentional about uh, Lena 
wanting to do no harm and then portraying her as somebody in this episode who wants to do good. She sees a news clip of Supergirl on the news and she she tells Jack that she wants to leave Metropolis because she thinks it's her responsibility to make up for the stain that Lex left on the world and she's inspired by Supergirl because Supergirl goes around and does these acts of, uh, you know, uh, these good acts, these helpful acts around National City. And, and she says, you know, I want to be the the Luther that shares her home with a Kryptonian and helps Supergirl put the world back together instead of tearing it apart. So I like the idea that they've been uh, pairing Lena with these ideas of do no harm and also that, that she wants to do good. Uh, because I think those things could go together, but at the same time... They show Lena at the end of the episode controlling Russell to uh, kill himself with a scalpel and, you know, really threatening his life uh, to get what she wanted. So uh, there's that balance of, well, if you if you don't want to do any harm, maybe don't (laughs) take over somebody's mind and control their mind to kill themselves. So, uh, so Lena is quite the walking contradiction, especially in this episode. Lena is an enigma. <laughs> I think Le- I think Lena is one of those like sort of the ends justify the means, and so she's like, at the end, we're gonna have a world where everybody is super nice to each other, and 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 everybody holds the door and uh, <laughs> merges correctly in traffic, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, okay, I'm gonna have to. Um, maybe make somebody scaffold murder himself to, to have that world. But won't we all be better off? I think that's kind of, and I don't think that she would honestly have had him like kill himself. She was just using it as a threat. But I mean, it's also not great to make, to mind control somebody to hold a scaffold to their own neck. It's not, that's not something like, a chill person does, Lena. No, it, it was pretty ominous when she got those green Martian Inception powers in her eyes. That really freaked me out. Uh, so, yeah, I, it's it's tough with Lena because I can see that she wanted to do good things uh, earlier on in her, car- her character journey. But now I don't know exactly what she's thinking. Uh, well, we're th- before we wrap up, Morgan. Are there any other things that we didn't talk about that you wanted to bring up? Um, I, I I just think that we need to talk about Lena and Andre's like trek through the wilderness. Yes, was, it was like I felt like I was watching like Indiana Jones or something. <laughs> And then Lena being like, oh, it's said in the book that, like, if we're supposed to look look below. And then she looks and there's a snake pointing at, a, like, a pit. And I, I love that part. Listen, I would have watched, like, a whole episode of just, like, Lena and Andrea, like, going through the jungle, like, adventuring. They looked <laughs> the part. I will say, I, I really wanted Lena, like, we pan in, you see Andrea with, like, her little neck hanker, like neckerchief and stuff, and then it pans over to Lena, full ball gown. <laughs> she's and she's like, "This is what I wear for this, right?" And Andrew's like, I, "We've talked about this <laughs> <laughs> so many times." Well, I thought some of the writing was pretty good uh, in that sequence. Lena and Andrea, their journey reaches a dead end, which I thought was uh, appropriately named, not because anyone dies, but because this is sort of 
the death of the metaphorical death, if you will, if you'll go with me, of Andrea's free will, of her ability to live the life that she wants. Because what I thought was really creepy about Leviathan in this episode with Andrea, uh, she she tells the the old lady, she says, I'm not a killer. And the old lady is like, uh, you are what we say you are. Um, so that, I can't imagine what that would be like if somebody, you talk about controlling minds. This old lady, that old man in the cave, these people are controlling Andrea's life. They're not doing it because they are, uh, they have control of her mind, but they have the ability to put pressure points on her so that she will do whatever they tell her to do. So I thought that the dead end they reached was more like a, like a dead end of her ability to think for herself, to do things for herself. The, the dead end of her dreams of going out there and experiencing the world, she can't really do that so much on her, uh, in her life anymore. And especially because the dead end could also be about Russell, about how he gets shot at the end of the episode. I assume that he will die, but he's already kind of, quote, died already in the story, so he could still make it out okay. But I, I just liked that little bit. It was a little small mention that they were at a dead end, but I really gravitated towards that because I, I thought that that was a, a neat way to... Uh, get them to the to the point of uh, the journey that that Andrea was going to struggle with that, and they mentioned something about. Uh, I'm trying to think if I can find that somewhere. Uh, they they used the phrase impenetrable hope, and it just made me laugh because I kept thinking <laughs> of uh, robot <Me> hope. Too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess hope. Uh, our beloved Hope here on Supergirl Radio, I guess she is impenetrable. It said, uh, no, this was from uh, the storybook that Lena reads. She says, quote, and when the world around her turned to stone, impenetrable by hope, the girl looked down to the core and was shown the winding way, unquote. Yeah, so that's what they were talking about. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the trek through the Costa Rican jungle. I thought that was a refreshing change of pace. Uh, we've we've gone to a lot of different locations this season already. We've been to Mexico City. We've been in the Costa Rican jungle. Uh, so that's been uh, a nice, uh, you know, we're getting to travel a little bit this season. So I, I've enjoyed that a lot. Well, I guess, Morgan, so what, what would you say your overall thoughts are? Did you like this episode? Did you not like this episode? Were you like, nah, it was fine? <laughs> Uh, I liked this episode a lot, actually. I, 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 anytime that we get a Lena heavy episode, it's usually one that I enjoy. And I, I liked getting to know more about, uh, Andrea, but, uh, I think I really liked getting to know more about Leviathan. I mean, we don't, we still don't know very much about them, but like they seem way more, uh, intimidating now after having seen like an episode of like, them basically like ruining a person's life uh which is kind of what they did with with andrea they they sort of dangled something in front of her face and then and then used that leverage to make her do things that she would not have normally done so i think that leviathan now seems way more intimidating even though we we had that first sort of 
look in on the same thing happening to Eve, but um, but now we've seen it twice, and so I'm more curious about who they are and like what their end game is and what they're after. Yeah, and I'm glad that in this episode we saw that Supergirl learned that Leviathan was behind whatever happened to Rip Roar. So at least they're getting more information uh, just like we are. Uh, we've gotten a lot more information than the DEO and Supergirl have, but uh, I'm glad that they at least are, are starting to get the, the trail of Leviathan and kind of get that going. So, yeah, I enjoyed getting to know more about uh, Leviathan and their agents and how they operate. Uh, but I, I thought this episode was actually pretty great. I thought the writing was pretty solid, except for the continuity gaffes. Uh, with the Amade situation, that could have been handled a little bit better. But I liked that the episode was bookended by a failed attempt at rescuing Riproar from the DEO, and then at the end, a successful attempt at getting him out, that, that Andrea actually did rescue him out of there. I thought that, that was a good way to format the episode. I really liked the parallels like we talked about with Lena and Andrea and Lena and Cara. We did see a little bit of Lena and Cara in this episode with uh, Melissa Benoist having to wear some wigs uh, that we will discuss in the feedback section. Uh, <laughs> listeners had a lot to say about the the wigs in this episode. They were uh, they were a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Necessary, but a lot. Uh, so I did like the, the parallels that we saw between those two dynamics between Lena and her best friends. Uh, so I, I thought that that was handled really well. Uh, the flashbacks, I think, are something that I think I wish the show would incorporate more in the writing because they do go a long way to making me care about a character. Uh, when we saw them in Midvale, when we saw them here when we've seen little Lex and Lena, uh, little Lena that has made me, you know, just seeing those backstories and seeing those flashbacks really makes me, uh, more attached to some of these characters. And when I watched this episode, as much as I liked seeing more of Lena and I liked learning about Andrea, I, I just sat there and I, I know I sound like a broken record because I complain about this all the time. I, I just kept thinking in my head, why can't they do this with Kara? Why can't we flash yeah. back to her college experience? Why can't we do more flashbacks when she was younger? Why can't we do more flashbacks when she first starts at Catco? Like something something like that where we get to spend more time with Kara uh, would be something that I would be really into. And it, it seems like the show is capable of doing these kinds of flashbacks and doing them fairly well. So I just... Uh, I just keep wanting them to do these kinds of things with Kara or even with Alex. I think Alex could use some flashbacks as well. So uh, as much as I like seeing it with these characters, I wish we could get to see them uh, more incorporated more with the lead characters. Uh, but overall, I think this uh, episode was uh, a lot of fun to watch. I thought it was pretty well written and the acting uh, for the most part was pretty good. So I uh, I enjoyed Confidence Women. Yeah, me too. I thought it was a I thought it was a good one. Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion. But let's find out what our listeners had to say about Confidence Women. Our first tweet is from at SL Fricky, who said, "What would Rose Dawson do? She'd hog the door raft for herself, despite the ample room. <laughs> so the <laughs> so the Lena Andrea medallion betrayals kind of make sense. Uh, <laughs> hope." 
has a uh, obligatory plot exposition. <laughs> <laughs> I I love I love all of these so much. I hope we get one for every episode. Yeah, we should maybe uh, keep a running track of of each one for every episode. Oh yeah, we should do like a rundown at the end of the season. <laughs> 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 Just a bunch of them in a row. Um, at Electra WWF said, "Lena, do no harm." Also, Lena threatens to have Russell kill himself if Andrea doesn't give her the pretty medallion. <laughs> She's like, "Listen, I I'm really into that medallion." <laughs> Uh, at DJ Ryder said, weakest episode of the season. They spent far too much time on information we could have been given in 20 minutes of B story. One character crossed a line that Supergirl will never forgive. Their actions put her sister in danger. And no amount of fancy tech could block that signal. Um, at Aldu said, this episode made me feel even more sympathy for Lena. They better give her a good redemption arc. Also, Lillian told Lena that she looks so much like her mom. And because of that, it was so hurtful seeing her with Lionel. And in a way, that's why I like that Katie played Lena's mom. Um, at BKJ underscore the Von Braun said, best episode of the season. Love the backstory of Lena and Andrea and how Leviathan played a part. Nice to see Jack return as well as Kara in the flashback with the silly wig. <laughs> the present day stuff with tremendous uh, was tremendous with Supergirl coming across as a badass in the DEO. Okay, so while we're here, let's talk about the wig. Let's let's really break down those wigs. <laughs> So what were your thoughts on uh, cars especially stood out to me. But but what were your thoughts about the, the wig action in this episode? There were some wigs. Um, <laughs> uh, I think cars were the hardest to get behind. <laughs> so a lot happening. A lot happening with those wigs. She she looked good, but you could, it was noticeable. Uh, you could yeah. you could definitely tell. And they needed it because I guess because of the bangs, like you can't, you can't go back to the no bang style. It's, once you've gone to the bang side, <laughs> you have to uh, go around the bangs to get back to what she looked like uh, back then. So I can understand why they used the wig, uh, but it was definitely noticeable that she had one on. She still looked. She still looked good though. Um. At Sony Revot1990 said, Poor Lena. Her backstory is filled with more betrayal and lies. No wonder she is super pissed at Kara. Love that last scene with Lena and her mother. I have a theory that mother is not actually dead and maybe part of Leviathan since she was very interested in that amulet. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Listen, I, I do get suspicious. I will say, I think I think they might be onto something because I do get suspicious whenever the show starts to really push something that they haven't talked about or cared about like in ages. As, as so, this whole episode of being like, and then my mother said this, and then my mother said that, and then my mother said this. Like when she's only ever mentioned her mother one other time, does kind of does kind of feel like i feel like that does lend some some weight to that theory would katie have to play her her, her own mother i would be really into that um <laughs> she, she plays her mother she's in the way she's playing her mother she has an accent but it's a different kind of accent <laughs> <laughs> it's not her natural accent it's not the american accent it's just like uh, like maybe like her mother randomly has like a german accent like i don't know <laughs> 
I just always want Katie to be playing a character where where the accent is just sort of peeking through at all times. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh yeah, that would that would be pretty that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, at Kenny Crowley said the Andrea and Leviathan backstory wasn't needed, but I liked the fight with Supergirl and the DEO versus Andrea. Still don't know what to think of Lena. So still waiting for this season to tie in with Crisis on Infinite Earths. Six out of ten. We might be waiting on that crisis thing. That doesn't seem to be coming. You've been waiting for quite some time on that. Because <laughs> I don't... Th- I, and I, I've said this before. I am really the wrong tree to be barking up about the crisis. Because I'm like, yeah, the the less real estate that the crossover takes a, up in like the show that I actually am actively watching, I'm fine with. Uh, at Patty Mello 20 said, after this episode, I'm still on Lena's side, and now I'm also on Andrea's side. Her reason to lie to Lena was way better than Kara's reason. The timeline didn't make any sense, but it was great to know more about Lena and Andrea. The wigs were terrible, though. Arrow wants it back. I don't know if it was Arrow level, but they were pretty bad. No. No, those arrow wigs, it was like something had died on Stephen Mill's head. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen the like of it. So they don't deserve that. <laughs> uh, at Lisette underscore Villain said, Lena deserves a little bit of happiness. I'm looking forward to see how Kara could give her a, a push back to the light. Lena deserves a redemption arc. Um, at Kara Danvers Blob. Which is a great, it's a really great handle. Said, uh, worst episode in a long time. If your lead can't carry an episode, at least focus it on characters who can, Alex and John. Flashbacks were plot holes, and putting Lena's past in a good light does not diminish all the horrible things she's presently doing to those around her. So we we have a really wide spectrum of opinions on on Lena's whole deal in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Some people are like, I can't wait until her redemption arc. And then and some people are like, oh, she has got to stop making people scapple their own necks. <laughs> <laughs> Which both things are valid. Both opinions are right. <laughs> um, <laughs> at VH451 said, MVP for this week goes to Lena. Can we have a spinoff with her and Hope? Also, excited to see the Leviathan storyline converge from the DEO and Lena's separate investigations. Oh, I guess we didn't talk about the very end of the episode when Lena... Lena says, I want you to access Eve Tessmacher's memories and tell me everything she knows about Leviathan. Oh, yeah, that's right. I am excited that, like, people are finally learning about, like, what Leviathan is. And, like, so now, presumably, we're going to get more information about it. Like, I want to see, I want to see the DEO, like, do some, like, investigation and some digging well i'm curious since this tweet talked about a spinoff with lena and hope uh, that made me wonder about what lena was how how is lena gonna get that information about are we gonna get to see lena get the information uh from eve tessmacher's memories through hope uh is are we gonna see like eve tessmacher come through hope in the next episode i i was just curious about how all that was gonna go down i kind of hope that like lena uh, that hope channels eve (laughs) (laughs) like like they have a seance and eve pops back up and she's like oh my god (laughs) what are you doing and then hope is like thank you uh body friend (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh man, poor Eve. <laughs> um, at KVidiCat53 said, I really enjoyed this delve into Lena and Andrea's past. Some distressing wigs on Melissa, <laughs> but great to see Lex and Jack again. Lena really has been unfortunate in the betrayals by her friends and family. Enjoyed the complexity added to her character by this episode. Uh, at uh, Fractal Inverter says, uh, while this episode sadly was one of the best of the season, Supergirl was the villain of the week in her own show. She was there to give some opposition to characters that actually have an arc, motivation, development, and and our driving plot. Well, I think that's I, not entirely unfair, but kind of mean. <laughs> well, to say she was the it's villain. It's not her fault that yeah. she's not getting any plot. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I feel the need to defend her. <laughs> she's trying. She's she's only she can only work with what she has. She did Supergirl did have a nice scene where she was trying to encourage Riproar or Russell to uh to be himself. I, I thought that was nice that she really fought for Russell in the episode, but that was kind of the best thing that happened with Supergirl. Yeah, not not a lot going on with her right now. Um, at Chase Aphrodite said, please someone give the CW money to buy some better wigs. <laughs> Is that Katie McGraw playing her own mother? How old was that child? She looked older than four. Someone help me with the timeline. Yeah, well, the thing is that Lena was seeing that memory quote memory through the vr lenses so it it really honestly i don't think it matters as much the technicalities of was she four was she older than four because it's just it's lena's simulation so she might have been putting herself in that simulation maybe that was her i'm just spitballing maybe that was her simulation of what it would be like if Let's say that child was older than four. I'm really bad about guessing the age of children. But uh, if that child was older than four, maybe that was Lena's simulation of what it would have been like if she had helped her mother while she was drowning and her mother lived. I mean, we live in a post-Amaday <laughs> universe now. Anything is possible, what really. Are, what are timelines, anyway? What, what, is, what is time and space? <laughs> Well, we have an email from Erica who asks, quote, Now that Lena has the medallion and also Eve's memories of Leviathan, do you think she's going to be their next target? Or are they going to recruit her with threats to their side? And how could Lex uh, play into that storyline, unquote? Um, hmm. Well, Lee Eve has already been been uh, kind of a target of leviathan or at least leviathan knows about eve uh lena though i think could become a target that that could definitely happen um they may need lena for her inception abilities so uh i don't i don't know it just depends on what i don't know if we know exactly what leviathan does they seem to have these agents to do to do their bidding but i don't know what their overall plan is yeah we don't know what their yeah what's their goal well, i don't know so i i think that's what we would need to know in order to answer that question uh mark wrote in to address something we talked about in our discussion of dangerous liaisons he writes i'd i'd give them some slack on that nine million number you compared it to youtube channel numbers 
But if I want quality YouTubes, all I need to do is go to any browser and type in youtube.com slash duckmilkprod, <laughs> and it's perfectly free. I took that $9 million as the number of people who had actually bought the lenses at launch. Those things certainly aren't cheap, and for comparison, the biggest iPhone launch day ever, after some cursory Googling, was 10 million phones sold for the iPhone 6, well before the price tag hit 1,000. So I'd give, I'll give them credit for that one, for trying to come up with a number that would actually be reasonable. Yeah, uh, if, if people don't know, Mark just gave my YouTube channel a plug, so thank you for that, Mark. Uh, it's not a uh, one-to-one comparison because I only have 980 subscribers to my YouTube channel, so I'm not quite... Uh, 9 million subscribers so that comparison is not fair but i like that you did the the digging and the research and finding out about the iphone sales uh that's probably more uh, on the comparison uh that uh the show is trying to make i was just thinking about it in terms of how people consume media and uh, the fact that some really high-quality, popular YouTube channels do have a lot of subscribers. Uh, and when I think about subscribers, I always think about YouTube first before anything else. So that's actually good information to know. Uh, I would have thought that iPhones would have been more prevalent than even 10 million. Uh, but maybe that's just on launch day. Maybe more phones are sold after because I I don't I don't get an iPhone on launch date. No, neither do I. Although I think I might have this go around because I really wanted that iPhone 11 Pro Max. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but typically I I don't I don't get them as soon as they come out. I wait a little while. So it might be more than that. Uh, I don't know. But thank you for doing that uh, that research, Mark. Well, Shang sent us a list of people Lena has ever loved and or trusted. So let's get sad about this list together. Uh, so <laughs> Shang has compiled it to just really take a, a deep dive into Lena's history so that we can really understand why she is having trouble with someone betraying her. So her mom died. Her dad died. Lex Luthor betrayed her. And then she killed him, or at least she thought she killed him, but he may still be alive. Uh, Jack Spear died. Uh, Lillian Luther betrayed her. Although, I will say that Lillian and Lena do seem to have kind of a weird mother-daughter relationship that sometimes seems positive. <laughs> um, <laughs> like they love each other. Uh, Queen Rhea betrayed her. Andrea Rojas betrayed her. Mercy Graves betrayed her. Eve Tessmacher betrayed her. Uh, Samantha Arias, her her BFF, was forgotten by the writers, uh, most, <laughs> mostly because she she moved away, didn't she? So I mean, you know, out of sight, out of sight, out of mind. I think it mostly that was because her storyline was over. <laughs> That's a good reason. Kara uh, Danvers uh, betrayed her, in, in at least in Lena's mind, and Hope. Maybe she'll betray her in the future. I hope so. Uh, I hope that's what happens uh, because Hope and Lena are like BFFs down in that little lab. So I think if the pattern continues, I think Hope will betray her. Uh, Yvette writes in asking, Lena's mind control technology was developed using Martian brainwaves. But Martians aren't able to read Kryptonian minds. Do you you think this means that Lena's technology won't work on Supergirl? I hope that's the case. I think that would be really yeah. interesting if Lena did all of this because she was mad at Kara and then she wouldn't be able to 
read car or control Kara's mind. I think that would be uh, that would be a good way to go about it. Well, Regina wrote in saying, quote, in thinking about Nia and her powers, I think I know why she hasn't had a dream about crisis. What if the monitor is testing this earth without them knowing? What what uh, what if it happens that Maeve is receiving dreams of crisis and she doesn't tell anybody because she is bitter towards Nia? This kind of thing is right up the anti-monitor's alley to block Nia's dreams and redirecting them just so he can watch the Earth be destroyed, unquote. Uh, Regina, I think that's a great speculation. Uh, That seems uh, much more thought out than I think the writers would (laughs) probably (laughs) give uh, as an attempt. Uh, But I like that you're using Maeve in uh, this story because I I think that would be a really cool thing to see Maeve and, and Nia's relationship again. But uh, but so far we don't know about anything. But I do I do agree that could that could be right up uh, the anti monitor's alley. Fanny asks. I noticed that Lena told Andrea that Superman's weakness is kryptonite. I have a feeling that Andrea will use that against Supergirl. What do you girls think? So your what are your thoughts, Morgan? Um, yeah, that's probably a pretty good point because Andrea was like, "What's kryptonite?" And she was like. Girl, I'll, let me tell you about kryptonite. So <laughs> <laughs> that might have been like a famous last words conversation where it's going to come back up in the future where Andrea remembers that kryptonite is Supergirl's uh, weakness. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that if that comes back up. Part of me doesn't think Andrea is going to do anything to harm Supergirl because she seems because of the sympathetic nature of this episode. I don't think she's going to do anything villainous. For the rest of the season. It, it just doesn't seem like they're going that route with her anymore. So, I don't know. I think if anybody's going to use kryptonite against Supergirl, I think it's going to be Lena. <laughs> uh, so, our last email comes from Emily, who writes, quote, I was wondering if you had any ideas for storylines for Alex that don't involve her relationship with Kelly or the adoption plot. I th- I think the hardest part for the writers would be to fit something in organically without it seeming like, okay, now we're doing a new thing with Alex to give her something to do, like we've seen with James so many times. All I can think is maybe some conflict with Eliza, or maybe she develops an illness that tests Kara since she's not able to physically fight it, unquote. Uh, so, Morgan, should we pitch some Alex storylines? I mean, one thing that comes to my mind is that she... Uh, has a DEO squabble with a certain director who has uh, invisible flesh and smokes cigars and wears blue ties with stars on them. Uh, that that would be uh, one of the things that I would pitch, that she would uh, go up against uh, uh, one of our favorite characters, Director Bones. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's the storyline I would pick too, is that um, she is get like, she's a, assign somebody new to be the director and she's like really mad about it and then she meets him and she's like oh you're just a skeleton person (laughs) and he's like listen uh be careful because of my cyanide sweat and then (laughs) they just spend like a good chunk of the episode talking about cyanide sweat (laughs) Uh, I realize it's not become an Alex storyline anymore. Now it's all director. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but no, I think that she needs, she definitely needs something. Cause I feel like it's been, it, it's honestly been ages since we had a good Alex storyline. Like, um, I can't say that I'm personally all that invested in the adoption thing, but at least that was something. Um, 
I think I think we need something something Alex Danvers career focused. And this is why, and I agree with you, I don't love her being the director of the DEO because what's what's next for her? Like she's uh, achieved the the highest DEO title really. So I don't really know what maybe there's some problem at the DEO, some conflict there that they can kind of explore or how about this? And and I'm just I'm just thinking outside the box. I'm just trying to really come up with something really creative that the show just has not really done before. What if she goes looking for her father? Ooh. Um uh, who was that again? <laughs> <laughs> what if what if she in in her travels accidentally stumbles upon her father? <laughs> And he's like, Alex, it's me. I've missed you so much. And she's like, who? <laughs> I mean, that's an easy Alex storyline that would make yeah, it seriously. about Alex that would give her something to do that could last for a long time and that would really put the the focus on a relationship outside of a romantic relationship. I think that's an easy storyline uh, that we could pitch is that she goes, she finally decides she's going to go after her father and find her father. Um, but I also think there are, there's gotta be a way that we can make that director bones thing about Alex. Maybe Alex is the key in order to, uh, remove the cyanide sweat from him. And so she's, she's got to come up with some sort of, you know, uh, medical thing that will, uh, help him with whatever he's going through. There's, there's gotta be a way we can make the director bones thing happen and still have it be all about Alex. I'm gonna think on that. We're we're gonna pitch some ideas. <laughs> we're we're gonna do a whole a director bones pitch, uh, maybe sometime soon. Uh, but yeah, so I, I I mean you could have Kryptonian werewolves who come under her care, and th- there's there's there are things to do with Alex that that they're not doing. Uh, so I I would I would hope that we we get to see Alex actually have a storyline of her own that that matters outside of her romantic relationships or even with outside of her relationship with Kara. Although I think that that's always the the preference is to do something with the Danvers sisters. Well, good question. Um, so let's get to a voicemail from Mauricio. Hey, Supergirl Radio. Mauricio here. So it's an Andrea and Leah um, flashback episode, which I liked. Granted, I remember season two a lot, and I was like, man, I was never this cold heart, like, um, cold heart and all that, because there's a scene when they did a flashback for sure in season two, Lena, where she was, and I'm like, that wasn't season two, so, but then again, I always hear the flash podcast with Andy and Arrow flashback, and they always do retcon, so yeah, this is kind of retcon here. So yeah, but it was a nice episode. So here is my question. Um, do you think this was deleted or unused footage from season from the previous season because um John Cry was back for five seconds. I'm like, there's no way they're gonna waste five seconds for an expensive actor just for just five seconds of a cameo. So I didn't get the DVDs for last season. It's just I wanna know if you guys know it was uh unused footage or delete scenes or previous foot seasons and all that. But anyway, thanks and have a nice day. Bye. And Mauricio was asking about the Lex scenes that were in this episode. Uh, so Morgan, do you think those were uh, deleted scenes from season four or do you think those were uh, currently season five shot scenes? 
Had had you seen deleted scenes from season four? I had not because I kind of wait until the Blu-rays go down in price. So I actually don't watch any of the bonus stuff from the uh, Blu-rays yet. Yeah, I tend to just watch it on Netflix and Netflix doesn't have any of the cool special features. So I'm not sure. My guess would be that because John Cryer is probably around for Crisis, it's not inconceivable that it might have been like a new scene that they filmed with him. Um but I don't know. That was my thought as well, because uh, if John Cryer's already in Vancouver, they could just pull him in for a quick little scene and have him sit on the floor with Lena for no reason. <laughs> um, and especially because they had a conversation about Jack Sphere and Spherical in- Industries. So that seemed like something that was written specifically for this episode. So at least that scene when they mentioned Jack... I think that was a a newly created scene for season five. Before we wrap up our feedback, we need to make some snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Our first snap judgment comes from Anna. Who do you think was the most extra? Lena with the fake fainting in this episode or Kara in uh, season four, episode 20 with the fake fainting on the plane? Who had the best fake faint? It's fake faint off. (laughs) (laughs) I would pick Lena. She had a plan. She uh, really put in the acting. She made it look good. I'm, I'm going to say Lena because she really put a lot of effort into that. Yeah, I'm going to go with Lena because I think she went really like method and committed to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have a couple of snap judgments from Supergirl writer. Uh, first one, worst wig. Melissa's wig from this week's episode. Kyler's wig from the Ben Lockwood episode. Or Katie's wig pretending to be Lena's mom. Of all of those, I guess I would pick Melissa's because hers for me was the most noticeable. I I feel like my memories of Kyler's wig from the Ben Lockwood episode were not good. Uh, so I think I'm going to go with that one because like I just I remember being like, whoa, what's going on up there? I think that like. For me, the Kate, Katie's wig was kind of negligible because she was so far away in yeah. the shot. So that kind of saved her. Okay, worst betrayal, Andrea, Kara, or Eve? I think Eve because Lena really trusted Eve and Eve came at her with a gun in her face. Yeah, Eve pulled a gun on her. <laughs> I feel like that's that's hard to that's hard to top. Like Car just didn't tell her a secret and Andrea just stole a tacky necklace. Like <laughs> Eve, <laughs> Eve was pointing a gun like directly in her face. Yeah. All right. Best episode. Confidence women with Andrea and Lena flashbacks or Midvale with Danvers sister flashbacks? Uh, Midvale with Danvers sisters flashbacks. I liked Confidence Women, but there's no competition. Yeah, Confidence Women, great episode. Midvale, amazing episode. There's yeah. like really no competition. Also, like I mentioned, those those actresses that they got to play, little Cara and little Alex, it was uncanny. It was <laughs> it, it actually freaked me out a little bit. I was like how did they how did they do this 
it was the uncanny valley of acting where I was like, this is, it's too good, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay, what was better, seeing Jack Spear again or remembering that Maxwell Lord exists? <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna pick seeing Jack Spear again. I'm gonna go with Maxwell Lord. Uh, uh, I I still remember you season one. <laughs> uh, okay, we got some uh, we got some snap judgments from new Rachel, who asks, better mask, Reigns or Akratas? Uh, Reigns. Oh yeah, Reigns definitely. Okay, ideal leader of Leviathan, Director Bones. Or Jeremiah Danvers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. This is really hard. I would love to see Director Bones, but I like the idea of of everyone working on behalf of Jeremiah Danvers in secret. The twist of it being Jeremiah Danvers, and that's what he's been doing this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. He's like, he's like, of course you couldn't find me. I've been everywhere and nowhere. And Alex is like, was I supposed? Was I supposed to be looking? I wasn't looking at all, actually. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's like, this whole time I've been under the radar. I knew you would be looking for me. She's like, actually, I've just been like super busy. I don't like, I've been super busy. I'm like, I was going to start looking for you. I was just. <laughs> just time got away from me. Uh, okay. Whose backstory would you like to see in flashback form next? Nia's or Brainy's? Brainy's. We've uh, we've already kind of seen backstory for Nia, but we haven't really seen anything yeah, from Brainy. Yeah, we visit. Yeah, we visit Nia's family. We met her sister. We met her mom. We met the spider who killed her mom. Like I don't really <laughs> <laughs> like Bra- Brainy's flashback is the future. Like that's <laughs> true. <laughs> he, he. We would be flashbacking to the future. So <laughs> that's what I want. I think. <laughs> All right, Lena in suits or Lena in dresses? Ooh, I love a good power suit, but like you don't get much clavicle in those. <laughs> <laughs> like, I what if what if Lena created the first suit where your shoulders are out? Like, I don't know how it's possible. <laughs> it's just like a big gap for your shoulders. That that would be my my ideal choice, but I think. I think I gotta go dresses just just for the shoulders. That would not look right. I it don't. would be real weird. <laughs> but Lena could probably pull it off. Um, I was curious, Morgan, before I make my choice, what did you think? Because uh, we got a return of the ice cream dress in this episode. Yes, I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny because I was watching with Mike and he was like, I don't like that outfit. And I turned on him so viciously. And I was like, excuse me, how dare you? And he was like, I met on Kara. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I was like, I don't care. Uh, no, it's fine. I'm, I'm really chill about this outfit. I don't care about it that much. <laughs> I was really excited to see the, the ice cream dress come back. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to pick Lena and Dresses. I think when she when she rocks a dress, she, she really rocks it. Although I do like the suits as well, but I think I'm going to pick uh, Lena and dresses. So our last set of snap judgments come from Danae. Uh, she asks, "How did Leviathan influence Lena's mother's death? She knew too much and was killed by them, or she faked her own death because she's leading Leviathan." Ooh, we're getting a lot of good speculation on who could be the head of Leviathan. I like the idea that maybe. Lena's mother faked her drowning and she will pop up later 
as the head of Leviathan. I like that a lot too. It would also it would also kind of be like maybe vindication for Lena because she'd be like, I didn't actually maybe maybe my memories as a four year old weren't <laughs> as accurate as I thought they were. <laughs> maybe I didn't stare down my mother drowning uh, like I had remembered. Maybe her mom just like went to the ocean like yelled at Lena, little Lena, I'm drowning, and then, like, walked away. Like, <laughs> is a, a four-year-old. <laughs> Could probably trick him pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't Lena, like, Lena was the only witness to this drowning, right? So, uh, I, yeah, it seemed like it. I feel like it's probably not that hard to hoodwink wink a four-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're only a couple years out from being really into like uh <laughs> like hide and seek and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Uh what was the best acting of, of for Lena this episode? Uh what's the DEO or pretending to be knocked out at the end of the episode? <laughs> that was a pretty funny line uh, about what's the DEO cuz she clearly has been inside the DEO and has helped the DEO. Uh, I'm going to say pretending to be knocked out at the end of the episode. I'm going to go for the what's the DEO because I felt like she put so little um, effort into pretending (laughs) to not know what it was. It was like her delivery was completely flat. What's the DEO? And that's like Andrea like immediately calls her out. and She's like, I know you know what it is. And she's like, okay, you're right. (laughs) She rolls on. She doesn't even. It's like it's the it's a lying where you're you don't even care whether or not the person knows you're lying. I, I I respected it. And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? Um, okay, our last snap judgment. Which was the best boardroom or ballroom return? The return of the three-piece suit or the return of the clavicle? So we are doing a Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom inside a snap judgment. So this is going to yes. get really complicated. Uh, I'm going to say we have not had a lot of clavicle lately. We've had we've had a lot of suits. Uh, I I, th- I think we've we've seen those pretty prominently. But the clavicle, I mean, the clavicle has been mostly with Kara and Kelly this season. We've yeah. not gotten that with Lena. That is very true. Do you think that as Lena goes down the dark side, she is is like hiding like her light? <laughs> like she's like she's like this is this my power is is in my shoulders. But like right now I'm not listening to my like my inner voices that are telling me that I'm doing the wrong thing. So I'm just going to put as much fabric on them as possible. <laughs> I think that's I mean, there there's probably something to that because when she had the clavicle, I'm assuming this is the dress that she. Well, is it the dress? Are we talking about the dress when she and Jack go to the party? Because she she was showing a little shoulder there. I remember that. I don't know if that was the clavicle that this snap judgment is mentioning. I'm trying to cycle back through all of the the yeah, looks me of too. Lena. I know I know that Lena was showing some shoulder in that. Um, in that party and I was like, oh, it's like old times. That's how you know it's a flashback. We <laughs> haven't got we haven't gotten the power shoulders in a while. And I was like, this feels this feels right. Because she seemed she seemed really happy in that moment and she seemed pretty carefree. And so I think there's something to be said about that connecting into if Lena's happy, she's showing some shoulder. If she's feeling powerful, she shows some shoulder. So I think there's something connected there. Uh 
But yeah, no, I think I'm gonna for this snap judgment, I'm gonna go return to the clavicle because we had not we had not been uh we had not been given that uh lately here on the show. Yeah, I'm gonna go the same way. And this has been Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. No judgments on your snap judgments. All right. Well, thank you all for sending in those snap judgments and for all of your feedback and your thoughts on this week's episode, Confidence Woman. Uh, Confidence Women. That's plural. There were more uh, multiple women who were confident in this episode <laughs> uh, because uh, young Andrea says if you if you act like you're you're confident, then uh, you can you can do whatever you want, which is probably terrible advice. Don't take it. I mean, fake it till you make it, though. <laughs> then fake it till you make it. That that can you that can be applied to to things as well. Uh, well, if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. Uh, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. Uh, and make sure you can you write and call in before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. We are uh, on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes me- music featured on and inspired by the show. And we are on Radio Public and Podchaser and DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we are also available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And you can find everything that I just mentioned on supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to Mark for the DC TV plugs. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, or just podcasts about it, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, Batwoman, or classic DC TV shows, or the upcoming Swamp Thing and Stargirl shows, you can subscribe to the Mega Feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow at DCTV Podcasts on Twitter and like DCTV Podcasts on Facebook. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid and Instagram uh, at the Derby Kid. I'm also a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find it uh, at jluniverse.podomatic.com. And you can hear me attempt some voice acting uh, uh, for a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakest. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at MojoTastic. And you can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. I know I keep saying that we're going to do that uh, <laughs> that podcast. And, and we are... We are going to do it. Uh, <laughs> we've rescheduled it, uh, ironically, because I'm going to be in uh, on the West Coast seeing Amy's show next week. And uh, I guess we just don't have enough time to record it after the show. <laughs> <laughs> what if I just went over there? We're like, uh, like I came to see. Uh, I'm going on a work trip, but I'm like, oh, I came to see see your show. And also, I I brought this microphone. <laughs> Let's call Cat talk about serial killers but uh this is why this is why you should subscribe to the legends of tomorrow podcast because we lo- we like to look at our, our podcast on the off season as more like an occasional treat that you never know is coming <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing if you could do a post 
post-play Legends of Tomorrow podcast <laughs> episode right there on the stage. Live and in person. <laughs> well, I think that's going to do it for uh, our Supergirl radio episode on Confidence Women. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Lennon. And we're going to leave you with a question that maybe we should all ask ourselves. What would Rose Dawson do? Rose Dawson.